the Doxed, the podcast. What happens when you become a vocal advocate against MLMs and pyramid schemes, amassing a loyal following as you expose the tactics of evil corporations? only to find yourself mired in the consequences of your own actions as audiences and commentators alike question whether you've become the very bully you once fought against. Welcome to the world of Blair's On, the creative force behind Illuminati, a prominent YouTube channel known for its compelling anti-MLM content and scam-related deep dives. With a staggering YouTube subscriber base of nearly 1.5 million, Blair has established herself as a go-to authority, shedding light on many deceptive practices that plague our modern society and empowering her audience to better navigate the treacherous waters of online scams and financial exploitation. However, behind the scenes, Blair's own story has been marred by controversy. In recent months, she found herself embroiled in a heated dispute after accusing another YouTube channel of plagiarism. These flimsy allegations set off a chain reaction of online backlash, resulting in a wave of disputes between Blair and her former friends and collaborators. The fallout from these accusations has been significant, with her channel experiencing a substantial loss of subscribers, plummeting views, and even loss of sponsorships. Now, with the weight of scrutiny upon her, Blair finds herself at a crossroads, forced to confront the allegations, address her actions, and determine whether she can salvage her reputation and regain the trust of her once-devoted fan base. But the question remains, can she rise above the controversies and reclaim her role as a beacon of truth in the murky world of online scams, or will she forever be remembered as a cautionary tale of hypocrisy and moral compromise? Join us as we unpack the story of Illuminati. Hello. Hello. How are you today? You went to the gym today. That looked nice. I did. I feel really good. Did heavy things a little bit. Just a little bit. Not very heavy. Just in case my doctor's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're still supposed to be in recovery. I know it's only been like two weeks in a day, but boring recovering. My God. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess your body would tell you if it was too much, right? It doesn't yeah. feel like pain. It felt good. It all felt good. That's good. You're glowing in all your pictures. You're looking like good energy. Thanks. <laughs> so. You know why. I know why. Plus, you're just beautiful. Thank you. You're very beautiful, too. Thank you, but I do know why. This is an upturn, an upturn of events, which must be secretive due to the one who will not allow positive things to happen if she's aware of them. <laughs> sneaky happiness. I love it. You're bad. Sneaky happiness. So we are here today to discuss Illuminati. Ooh, this is a scandal. Quite the scandal. It is, but it's one of the hardest ones to wrap your head around what exactly happened because it, a lot of it feels like a little bit a lot of it feels petty, if I'm being yeah. honest. But then there's a couple of things in there that you're like, oh, no. So it's important to dig through, I think. I This one kind of, like, bummed me out. Oh. Because I, I wasn't, like, a fan of Colleen Ballinger. So her being a complete nutcase is like, oh, whatever. That's a good but Illuminati, 
with someone that I followed and like I really enjoyed her content and her deep dives a lot because she has like a really relatable voice she's easy to listen to and it's like listening to a friend spill really well-researched tea and I love that yeah I used to I watched her too a lot for years and there it's a good it's an apt comparison when swoop says that she's like the new creep show art because mm-hmm. i also watch creep show art both of them were definitely good to turn on and just listen to for a while i and, um, swear to lucifer if something comes out about swoop i'm done with you <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple i mean it's i don't know i think uh there's no real reason it's just the content machine gets a lot of people in the end you get eaten up by it i think we don't want to bog ourselves down in the timeline of all of this but it's probably good to just set a couple of points out okay basic things about what happened uh the first thing was that she kind of kicked a bunch of dust up by tweeting another youtube channel called legal eagle which I've also watched before because it's like very accessible takes about the legality of stuff, just different things and like pop culture and and elsewhere based on viral videos. I've and never watched Legal Eagle. Legal Eagle looks like the most like a lawyer. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like exactly what an AI would spit out if you asked it to give you a picture of a lawyer is the guy that is that is the face of Legal Eagle. Um, but it's good content. And so and he seems like a nice person based on how this situation was handled. So and, what was her what was her issue with him? So she started with a tweet that says, not legal eagle editors broaching my editors to take my video style. And when they didn't give up the info, they literally copied it. And by the way, I have messages from my editors and found an email from them too. Just changed the color from purple to blue, huh? Interesting. And so it's a pretty snarky. Uh, accusation that they basically plagiarized some of her style editing style stuff and specifically there were these two effects which was like a torn paper texture and a highlighting effect and legal eagle who is literally a lawyer so maybe you know cross your t's and dot your i's Mm -hmm. if you're gonna tweet accusing a lawyer of plagiarism uh, or their channel so he responds and says, hey, Illuminati, I think this is a big misunderstanding. Perhaps great minds think alike. It's nice. No one on my team is trying to copy you without an exhaustive review of your channel. I believe we used these two styles before your channel did. We've used them three to four years. Oops. So and then the other part to understand about it is just that, like, these are not proprietary editing style things. These are these are things that come with the software to edit. And Mm -hmm. they were just kind of asking about like which specific uh, effect settings to use. And it's not, it's not weird to ask that even if they weren't already using these effects before on the channel. So not like trademark stylized things. No, it's not. So ultimately Illuminati, like she real uh, Blair, uh, Blair zone. I don't know. People pronounce zone a couple ways, but it's Z O N I think. So Mm. Blair, actually private message legal eagle and said i want to reach out and apologize for my tweet yesterday i was quick to protect my editors when they brought this info to me and i overreacted i have the deleted tweets and then he said understood thanks for the apology and for deleting and 
that is like a nut like you almost don't care except for it then kicked up an entire other set of people coming out basically just about how shitty Blair is to work with only some Mm. of that stuff again like a lot of this just feels like minutiae in some ways like it's real people and their feelings but it just seems like some kind of workplace drama for the most part in my opinion but a few things stick out as like let's talk about this in terms of these power dynamics because it's not great there's this group sad milk which was just a content group that started as i think just some friends but turned into kind of like a content creation farm i guess i don't know if it really i never watched that channel so i don't know but i think it just felt that way but then swoop also talks about the current illuminati channel as a content creation farm which i think is interesting I don't know if I agree because it's like it still is trying to be pretty high quality. Like I think, yeah. what do you think about that? Do you think it's like I a creation farm? Because I don't. I think it's pretty high quality. It's it's not like high quality is not the right word, but like it doesn't feel like it's just being churned out, right? Um, I I don't think necessarily content farming means that it's like not great quality. I don't know. I think they they put out pretty good content i'm not like an avid watcher of that particular group there are other groups that produce kind of similar content at that level like uh i want to say spill either tea spill or spill i think it's just spill where it's like a group of content creators that all contribute to this one channel that's kind of like uh like ai voice and animation you know, it's not really like one person creating content and it's really good and well-researched and like high production quality. So I don't know. It doesn't necessarily mean that if it's a high volume of content that it's not good, especially if this is like their full-time gig and how they make money. That's what I'm saying. It seemed like a whole kind of operation and that if they were making money, they were, there were accusations that she was not, that she was not paying people on time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that the channel itself is as much of a, like it's still going too so i kind of feel like she might just weather this and be uh she's she's i don't know i'm getting ahead of myself but she sent out cease and desists to people and i think that that's gonna kind of be like a barbara streisand thing like obviously people are gonna talk about this but it's also like within the within the sad milk group she sees and she see indeed them she see indeed at least wonderstruck i think yeah Mm. and that's a shame because it's like a need to control people just telling their story and their experience. And I watched the the Wonderstruck video about like responding to everything and we can link it. And it's really sad. Like I really believe his emotions in that video. And mm-hmm. it seems like somebody that just got exploited and maybe in some ways like he was an adult, but uh, in some ways, it sounds like somebody was trying to exert a lot of control and is still trying to do that by not letting him just tell his story. And that's really sad. So, And I don't and it's just unnecessary. Like if something happened and you did not understand the power dynamics, then in what ways was he exploited? Do you think? Well, basically, the big thing that stuck stuck out to me was that Blair Illuminati wanted to get houses or housing for the employees and got wander to move to colorado and 
she was basically trying to set up like a company cul-de-sac, which is like a company town. So he was, and he was supposed to move into this place in August and basically pay rent to her. But then she pushed the move-in date back, I think because the other people didn't end up like deciding to move there. So he was going to be like this first person who's going to rent from her, but also he was employed by her. And he expressed that that made him uncomfortable because it made him like lose some of his independence. And then she also got him a car that he like didn't ask for. So basically she was in and she like signed on the loan somehow. So, but he didn't even see the paperwork, which is weird. And he was like in his early twenties. And part of the story is that he did not understand really exactly what he was signing for and she got him like a more expensive car than he would have gotten and the problem with that is exactly what happened because she ultimately fired him before what sounds like his deadline to get his work done was with the excuse that she fired him because of the deadline being missed the deadline being missed which doesn't sound like it's quite right and also some comment he made that was kind of in a kind of tasteless inappropriate in in a work server of some kind so he basically got fired and then what happened was he lost his housing he lost his income and he lost his vehicle and she like repossessed the vehicle in this weird way where she took his all his stuff was in it and she like took it and threw all his stuff away and it just like yeah so and the company town thing there's a whole history of of company towns they are they became basically popular in the 19th century and in around the industrial revolution and they allowed employers to just have control over their workforce by doing their housing their employment in this case it's like also a vehicle so that's a lot of of power imbalance Mm -hmm. and so there's a couple of examples i wrote down in my notes one is pullman which was a company town founded by george pullman in 1880 near chicago and pullman uh became eventually synonymous with worker exploitation because there was this depression the company laid off the workers reduced the income of the other people still working for them but the rent stayed the same so they basically none of them could afford the rent and they were just like beholden to the company completely there was a whole strike and eventually it just dissolved and got annexed into Chicago. And then another example is a company town called Ludlow, Colorado, which was a mining town and the workers went on strike. The response was called the Ludlow Massacre of 19 And the striking workers and their families basically just got violently attacked by the company hired guards and the Colorado National Guard. So there's just like a long history of like very violent union kind of power dynamic issues with company towns and they are, it's very easy to end up with an exploitation situation. And she was basically trying to, oh, and I have to throw this, this is like the worst time to to throw this fun fact into the episode, but Blair and I share a birthday we're both January 23rd Aquarians. Oh my God. He's born a year after me. Uh, so fun that there's a toxic Aquarius. That's a- <laughs> but the thing is, 
I can see. It must be how... a Gemini rising or something awful. I, know. I can. <laughs> no more Gemini. Thank you. <laughs> I can see. Um, I can see how. I can see how you would come into the kind of money and this great idea of building your YouTube platform and it's making you income. And you can you can want to get into real estate and not understand or not think ahead about power dynamics. I don't think that makes you an evil person. The problem is like, again, when somebody comes out and says, wow, this really hurt me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. just instead of trying to reflect and think about how that really is a huge imbalance of power and it's really not cool to like when you're controlling every aspect of a person's life and it's kind of I think it was kind of an intentional control in this case but even if it's totally not intentional instead of reflecting you send a bunch of cease and desist and you don't want anybody to you just want people to see what you want them to see Mm -hmm. really not you can't control people like that it's not healthy and that's the part of it that I just think is not good and then the other thing so that's the exploitation part the other thing that I think is a real actual problem and not just like workplace drama is the fact that part of Blair's kind of response to all this was and there was some weird I think that she also had like a burner account that she mm-hmm. was talking crap about people under. So like, that's all part of a whole pattern of people that do this kind of thing. But also she talked about wonders, wonders. I didn't even introduce these people formally that were in this group, sad milk, right? So sad milk is the click wonderstruck one topic, Oz media and uh, Illuminati. And they were basically just friends who wanted to start this kind of content stream together. And Wonderstruck eventually started to edit a couple of videos and was didn't really understand his worth, I think, at the time. So he was like, I'll just do it for 20 bucks or whatever. And eventually, you know, they were they were like going to pay him. But he ultimately just worked there for, I think it was like 60 days. And this whole weird like company cul-de-sac thing happened he moved to Colorado he got all cut off he got all like triangulated and isolated and then it just all got thrown back in his face and that is not a good way to treat people Mm-mm. and then I do think there was a lot of uh like vague posting as part of it but just like kind of kind of like smear campaigning people like you could kind of read it into the way that it's it's subtle and it's just like this whole story, I had to really listen to a couple of different, like several hour long takes because it was just uh-huh. like a lot of like particularities. There's a lot of things that people came out about her temperament, which I tend to be like, maybe so, but I don't know. Like, I don't really know that it matters. It's not like the same thing as being abusive if you snap in a meeting, but it is if you're publicly trying to air out somebody's mental health. Yeah, um, as a way to punish them and blackmail them into not telling their experience of you, which sounds mm-hmm. pretty exploitative, even though, yeah, they, they, he was an adult. Uh, she also seems really reactive, like kind of unprovoked, super reactive. My first little taste of this controversy with Illuminati started with seeing the story about the clique, whom I'd never seen their content before. Yeah. 
Um, and that story was really disturbing and didn't really make any sense in terms of like, why did she do what she did to him? Someone that was someone that thought that they were friends, you know? Um, I don't know if you heard the details about what happened between them, but she was in his discord server and he's like a big youtuber his discord server is like tens of thousands of yeah, members this is like 40 something thousand and i don't know about the click part as much as i was more in the wonder rabbit hole part of it so maybe you can maybe you can fill me yeah. in i heard a little bit about the discord and the accusations which which it's a shame like once you see yeah. the you be like oh no <laughs> yeah so the click uh has this huge discord with their community within it and Luminati was in there and someone in the discord had said something like super sketchy like I think they were having like an inappropriate conversation with someone that might have been underage or something like that and I read, it was a, I read it was a 19 year old who was bragging about being with a 12 year old or not read it Some, I watched it. something like that something super not okay that shouldn't be allowed to happen in a discord and she caught it and reported it to the mods or tagged the moderators in the Discord. And this is something that happened like after midnight. It was the middle of the night. And one of the moderators um, responded to her right away and said that they were going to kick that person out and thank you for reporting them, da da da. And then in the morning, the click responded to her directly in the Discord and said, hey, uh, I am aware of what happened. I just want to follow up with you. Thanks for reporting that again. We took care of it. And she responded to him. And then all of a sudden, she's like tweeting about how the click is like a chomo and it supports predators. And what? Like, <laughs> this is so off the wall. Like, the leap that it took from having a conversation with the moderator that immediately addressed her concern. And, like, obviously wanted to keep the Discord safe. The Click himself, who also reached out to her directly after everything was already taken care of and said, hey, thank you again for reporting this. How'd that, how did she take the jump from that and having the conversation with them and saying, no problem, just here to help, whatever, to absolutely smearing this man's name with one of the worst things you can say about someone? And his response was that he was literally asleep and he shows the timestamps where it's literally two o'clock in the morning, his time when this happens and it's resolved mm -hmm. before he would have gotten up in the morning. So that's why mm -hmm. he's way in in the moment. <laughs> yeah. So you so can, weird. Oh, it is like a real twist. Like once you're, it is a twist, some of it. And, and there's a couple of different stories, different times where you can trace that she did that to people even you know people especially these former members of sad milk all of them she kind of tried to really put herself out on top on the the narrative there and is trying to i think intimidate them all into not talking about their side of the story and that just screams like what are you trying to hide like because it doesn't seem like if it's really slander, then you deal with it in a court or whatever. And yeah. it's not like, like, I really believe the emotion in, in Wander's video. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know if that's just, it's just my opinion, but it's not somebody that's trying to like harass and obsess and ruin. They're not trying to like spend all of their time and all of their con. They're just telling their experience. Mm-hmm. So you really can't, you really can't just make everybody else's experience go away. Right. Right. I think it's a major red flag when you get into conflict with someone and one party wants to silence the other or all of the others so that there's no counter narrative there's no nothing it's just it's just them and their story and it's just weird like if you are not wrong like if you're the one in the right if you believe that you're the one in the right why wouldn't you want the other parties involved to tell their true stories like you can't control someone in terms of like I'm going to make sure you don't lie. Like, you can't do that. It just seems weird to have this drive to silence everyone that has had a negative experience with you, which creates an even more negative experience. And it creates a lot of work and energy and effort for you to have to keep everyone tamped down when you're one person. It's very weird. Yeah. Because again, I don't think any of this stuff, especially in this case, is like really beyond forgivable if you just kind of, even though it sucked, because I mean, part of that car repossession thing was that he was out of state. She like, and they had an agreement that he was going to come back to Colorado with it. And she went and found the car out of state and repossessed it at like 3 a.m. while he was sleeping with all his, and the stuff was expensive. So, I mean, that kind of, that's terrible too. I mean, <laughs> and it, and it was petty. She, she tossed it apparently. That's petty. But anyway, all of that, I think is kind of forgivable if you just, if you just own up. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when you can't admit that you did something wrong or you're not admitting what you did wrong, when you're just like, oh, I'm sorry for this little thing. I'm sorry that I kind of got angry, but you know, I, of course I was upset and no, you should be apologizing for the fact that you taught, you pettily tossed someone's belongings based on what just seems mostly, seems like a manipulation mm-hmm. could have been a misunderstanding or whatever, but you know, so when you, so when you can't offer up that, like, I, I'm actually going to own up to what I did here. That's why people don't want to leave it go. Cause it's just that kind of weird like sidestepping apology is the opposite of healing <laughs> so i did don't know she have any kind of public apology or addressing any of this at all address- she went back and forth and like addressed and refuted and again some of it just seems like no like some of it just seems kind of like i understand that people have a beef but i i don't really feel like it would rise above the level of just like the tea and the drama it's not like but it but i don't know like for example wander put out a photo of this room because they all live wander and um oz oz media and illuminati all like lived in a house together at one point and so wander posted this photo which is just like a messy room which is it's messy but it's not it's like a messy room whatever and said she lives like an actual monster her home is a mess like orders back and to me i'm just like okay you know whatever 
and uh so then she in her response was like well wander was creeping around in areas that he shouldn't be in because that was some kind of packing room and he wasn't supposed to access that room but then it turned out <clears throat> that actually actually oz media was the one who took the photo and sent it to wander so it's just kind of like you know there's like back and forth about what exactly happened there and all this stuff and uh she also says that she's like sad about how the relationship to oz media ended but he also goes in the wonderstruck video and talks about how he has seen her fake cry before so there's all kind of like we don't know how seriously to take the words and nobody Mm -hmm. in her friend group seems to think very highly at all of her at this point so but that's but again it's just kind of like that part seems to me just like some friends disagreed some people were shitty to each other she seems petty but none of it seems like illegal except for if you have an employee don't take and it seems like she made active moves to take more control of his life than he intended for her to have and that he wanted but he felt like kind of pressured into it to have the job so that's yeah. not great and then don't rip that from somebody altogether when they have no place to go and don't be unsafe with people's housing etc like that yeah and then don't air your former employees because that's like i don't know if that's like a hipaa violation or not but don't do that there's some kind of professional relationship there like if you had a client you don't then go in public and <laughs> you know just air out their mental health issues yeah. that's even if you didn't sign some kind of contract it's uncouth it's very unprofessional and i think it's morally wrong you know and it so makes people unsafe right? It makes situations yeah, so yeah. much more unstable when you use people's vulnerabilities and air them out that way. That like it fucks with their mental stability when you do that. In this case, their like actual stability, their financial stability, where they live, housing insecurity is a, a really big problem. It's hard to suddenly overcome housing insecurity or not being able to get around in a place that's not walkable. It's super shitty. Yeah. And yeah, and I and I do think a lot of this you could do without understanding you were doing it. But then it's like, how do you react once it comes to your attention? And the way to the way to react is not to send everyone a cease and desist and try to get them to shut up and not talk about what happened to them because it's uh, it's traumatizing. Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I just, I wonder, 
in what situation is a cease and desist actually effective and appropriate? I feel like people just kind of throw them around all willy-nilly thinking it's enough to like scare people into silence. And I think the people that really throw around CNDs are kind of banking on the fact that people aren't going to do their research and really understand what a CND is and how actually useless they are unless the person who is serving it is ready, willing, and able to pursue it in court and actually like file or sue or whatever in in court. Yeah, but this is really, it's another tactic to strong arm somebody into or intimidate them sometimes, you know, not always. Sometimes it really, because it, it also is, if you really intend to go through with some kind of lawsuit or case, it is the first step to your case. So it provides a trail of that you had a history of telling this person and formally informing them that they needed to stop whatever they were doing or take down whatever the content is. And that helps your case if you're going to go through with it. It means nothing if you're not going to go through with the case. But anyway, I don't think it's always like just for intimidation. But it, but especially if somebody knows they're not going to do a case, it's basically what it's trying to do. It's just say, you know, hey, I hope that you don't understand what this means <laughs> enough and get afraid. Mm-hmm. I'm Googling her net worth right now. I want to see what kind of funds she's working with to be suing everybody. Uh, it's not that great. Her net worth is not that great. Her net worth is like right around half a mil. Like, okay. Do one person. There's all, your whole net worth gone. Yeah, she's, not, she's not the most... She's not the wealthiest Blair on YouTube. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> That is a good point. But I do think, I think her best way to just weather this entire thing, to be totally honest, is just to keep making content. And it looks like she is. She's really turning out content on the channel. Mm-hmm. I've stopped watching it. I know she's lost subscribers and viewers and views. Uh, but also she has a big channel. And I just honestly think none of this is like, I don't think, I mean, I'm not sure exactly the legality of the car situation still, because it seems like she repossessed it and and wrongly, and there's some claim that the contract that they signed was not even legally valid, and I have no idea what that looks like, so somebody's lawyer needs to figure that out, but really, there's no, like, she's not going to jail for a crime of any kind, and so, yeah, I think she's just going to keep going, and... I think it's going to go faster and smoother for her if she doesn't do anything legally on her end. Mm-hmm. Just leave it. Yeah, I mean, she needs to drop trying to intimidate and silence people if she wants to maintain her YouTube career. I can't imagine she has a whole lot of other things going on to bring in income. I mean, she probably has some other income streams, but I my guess is her main thing is her YouTube channel and being a bully it's not a great look like content creators on multiple platforms are being taken down left and right for being assholes to people so i think her best bet is to continue on making the content that she makes because it is great and hopefully she'll attract a new audience little by little over time because the attention spans of viewers it's relatively short and people especially youtubers overcome this kind of thing all the time just give it time and pretend like nothing happened keep making your content and eventually it will blow over and that's exactly what the streisand effect is it's just 
Like that's, that's the strategy for somebody in that position. Just let it blow over. The more you try to silence everyone, the weirder that gets. And the more people are going to talk about that. And Mm -hmm. the more of a control freak you seem like. Yeah. Especially if you are not going to apologize, if you're not going to take accountability, if you're not going to say, I recognize where I went wrong and here's what I'm going to do to rectify that in the future. The best thing you can do is just shut the fuck up then. Just don't say anything if it's not a good apology. Just don't address it. Definitely don't pull out the, the ukulele, but you know, not the uke. Uh-uh. Not the, but just don't address it. That's honestly the strat, the PR strategy there. It's even interesting how quickly all of the Illuminati talk got replaced with Colleen Ballinger talk as soon as that, it was like just like the next week's news. Mm-hmm. It felt like, and I think you said this in the other episode too. It it feels like when you're following these stories, like it's the end of the world, but. It's really just YouTube news. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of that people, I mean, people have longtime favorite followers or longtime favorite creators that they follow, but a lot of these audiences cycle out and there's like they have a memory of a goldfish, I think. Yeah. So so just weather the storm for literally a few days until there's some sort of new meme that everyone is more interested in and you're fine. What is this weird control issue? Yeah. I don't know. I think again, that goes back to like that really reactionary kind of behavior where you just can't help yourself. You have to assert dominance over anyone that just doesn't agree with you or doesn't like you and is willing to talk about it and seek support among other people that don't like you i think it takes a special kind of person to like not take everything personally like deeply personally it doesn't feel good when someone makes it very clear they don't like you especially if there's a good reason why they don't um that's not easy for everyone to do just kind of brush it off and keep going but i think it's a whole other thing to say you don't like me and you're talking about it with other people that don't like me, now I'm going to end you. There has to be some kind of happy medium where you can sit in your feelings and be upset about it, but not seek to destroy those people that like aren't on your side. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. And I think that's just, yeah, everybody has every right to say their own story. What you don't have a right to do is try to destroy other people's lives and ability to tell their own story. And there kind of is like three sides to every story anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it all comes out in the wash. And yeah, if somebody's, if somebody's lying about you, then tell your truth, but don't try to, don't try to force it that your narrative is the only one because it's just not. And I think it's just going to end badly. It catches up yeah. to you. And I think when you're a social media influencer or uh, like a big content creator and there's so many eyes on a situation and there's a long history of like interactions with multiple people and there's screenshots of things and receipts of things. If someone really is lying about you, it will eventually come out like people suck at keeping secrets, especially if it benefits them to like not keep your secret anymore of how big of an asshole you were. It all comes out eventually. Yeah, exactly. 
And also the people that are meant to hear what you're going to say are going to hear it. Yeah, I just think it's like uh, waves of cancellations are going to happen when you're in this this social media world, content creator world, especially if you're in that like top percentile of successful YouTube creators. It's going to happen. It sucks. I'm sure it's scary for everyone that's experienced it. Uh, especially like when you're kind of feeling like like on top of your game or on top of the world you're doing really really well and then something gets dug up from years ago or something like that or a conflict that you thought no one would ever hear about gets aired out but it happens like i don't know maybe it's not super easy to just kind of take it on the chin take it in stride and keep going like clearly that's going to be easier said than done but you would think as youtubers there has to be some kind of understanding that it like eventually you're going to be canceled for something like i feel like there should be some kind of like like when you sign up for youtube and you cross the threshold of like six figures of followers there should be some kind of like course you take or hey you're going to be canceled for this and here's how that's going to look and here's what to expect like some kind of emotional support group to help you cope with you're probably going to be canceled at some point well that's part of why we i think we started this podcast as well is to speak to this weird gap in knowledge about what it is like to be an influencer and go through these situations of canceling is wrapped up into that because doxing is all threaded throughout all of these situations. There's a lot of, uh, I think you have more of a blanket of protection when you're a large influencer because you kind of have your own army in a way, or at least like Mm. people that will counter and be eyes for you. But there's still going to be these this this massive amount of usually i think when somebody's canceled there's some vitriol there and people just take it upon themselves which i don't think is the healthiest thing to do because you're not the judge jury and executioner of everybody out there and there's Mm -hmm. there's like a level of justice and then there's a level of maliciousness that people engage in and again people don't understand that they are one of so many people all doing this and the combined force is more than really i think any one person can handle except maybe if you uh dissociate or have other kind of privileges that give you layers of protection from that but a lot of people get crushed like it's it's really not it's not a very human thing to endure that amount of people trying to attack you in whatever ways they are which can involve trying to dig up all your personal information and whatever and send you death threats like that's not good (laughs) uh even for these larger influencers and i don't think that anybody really talks about it because it's such a new phenomenon anyway for so many people to be influencers like they're celebrities but they're all it's all this whole commercial endeavor. Everybody, you kind of sell your, like people talk about you sell your soul to become a Hollywood celebrity, for example. And it is like you, you choose to kind of live this life where you're an, you're an object. And I think in a miniature way that's happening all across TikTok, especially YouTube also. And you kind of make this exchange where you're like, yes, I agree to be somewhat of an object for people. And in exchange, all of it, whatever, seek my fame and my fortune. And I think there should be boundaries around that where, you, where you're allowed to say, you know, that doesn't mean you can just totally not treat me like a human. That doesn't mean you can try to, but, but it's kind of the machine that sucks everybody through it. And a lot of people end up on the wrong side of it. Like people, 
is a very common journey to end up, I don't know, like drowning in your hubris when you get really mm-hmm. big eventually. But part of that is just, it is like you're, you're choosing to say, okay, I'll be this, I'll be this character in this, in this TV show for everybody. And that's the expected journey of the character kind of. So it's not super, I mean, I think a lot of people go through it and there is no course for it. And it would be cool to talk more about it here because people are human beings, but, and, and it's just more and more of a problem. Yeah. And I think in addition to not really understanding all of that, people also don't fully understand the dynamic of a parasocial relationship. And as a follower or subscriber of one of these big content creators, I don't think the viewers fully understand that if your favorite creator is going through some kind of drama, you like attacking other people, being part of that mob that absolutely destroys the other person, that content creator does not see you. It does not register to them that you, the individual, went out of your way to do this, this thing that you thought was on like the right side of history on behalf of your favorite creator they don't know you they don't see you they you you will not be acknowledged by this person the more intensely gruesome heinous things you do to this random stranger that you don't know because you think it's going to get you noticed it's not going to get you noticed you just look like a a, like a weird follower basically yeah but people enjoy the. i don't know i think people kind of just find it cathartic too which is something unhealed in them perhaps, but who am I to judge? I think it's, there's a responsibility of the audiences that I don't think there's any way to enforce. And it takes like a little bit of critical thinking, which people aren't always willing to do when they're just seeking out entertainment because it feels, because it used to be more one-sided as well. Mm -hmm. And so you don't even realize that you're, you're engaging in that more and and you have some kind of responsibility there as an audience to think critically about what your what media you are supporting what you are what you are filling your time with and I don't know just because something gets canceled doesn't mean that you have to not engage with it anymore if it's something that brought you joy and is part of like a nostalgic something for you I don't think, I don't know if that's a hot take, but I don't think you necessarily need to leave it on the floor, but you need to critically engage with it. You need to think about, and that can be really uncomfortable for people. I know, I'm sure, to think about critically comfort creators and comfort entertainment when new information comes to light and not just try to block it out and bypass it. Because it's probably playing in, because everything is in a context and it's probably playing into what's actually going on with that entertainment. I'm thinking about Harry Potter because it's it's something that even, I have so many, I have a lot of, uh, a lot, I have trans friends who cannot even stand for that topic to be brought up because it's very triggering because J.K. Rowling has become like a huge enemy to trans people, which just seems fully unnecessary and very frustrating. 
because that was a huge part of my childhood. It was so the the ages of those characters were very close to my age growing up mm-hmm. and that world was something that was captivating to me and was uh a large source of escape and fantasy for my whole childhood and so I'm totally the millennial it's like I'm a Ravenclaw <laughs> and but oops I it's totally canceled right because yeah JK Rowling sucks Fuck yeah, J.K. Rowling, that sucked of you. All of everything she's done in the last, like everything since everything since Cursed Child is just dead to me. I hate it. And yet, yeah. I can't just be like, oh well, I still like Harry Potter and I still like support whatever. You know, I have to think critically about it, and that's that's really sucked for me. But also, you see it in the stories. Now going back to those stories, like nah, you kind of ruined it. But also. It's in there. It was always in there. And it's better mm. that I know about it. It's better that I like and think about it. And then I can still sit with the story and enjoy it. It's still better mm. that I know. It's still better that I see that I see what happened there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's okay. And then if I and then if that kind of does ruin it for me and I have to find other entertainment. There's other entertainment. There's other people. Endless, endless other yeah, entertainment. There's a lot of great creators out there and nobody's perfect. And, you know, but you're going to settle on things that you're okay with. And and you also have to think about where's money going? Like, is there ways you can enjoy something without funding a terrible person? And there are. So yeah. these are, these things are important to think about. It doesn't, doesn't mean you have to just totally give up the things you love but i know that's a really scary prospect especially when you haven't really when it feels like that when people are like oh it's canceled so you just can't even touch it again like you just can't you don't even get to talk about it anymore you don't even get to it's like taboo you know yeah especially when there's nostalgia involved i think a lot of people this has been like a long time discussion happening about multiple different people in multiple different like industries the conversation about separating the artist from the art which the more i look into it the more i think critically about it the more i'm like no you can't (laughs) it's like okay like for instance this is totally a completely different thing but like r kelly right r kelly has been around for for eons like one of the most famous musical artists out there like some of their top hits, they're just they're just household hits. Everyone knows every lyric to so many R. Kelly songs. It's like part of the culture, R. Kelly. And he was such a beloved person for so long with this like really shady lifestyle of absolutely exploiting and doing terrible things to young women and girls for decades straight. And people knew what was going on. And when it would leak out to the public, people would be like, well, is it true? I don't know. And the more public it became, the more people were like, well, but his music. But we have to separate the artist from the art. But his music is part of the culture. But it's like, wait a minute. If you actually listen to the music, like he's detailing what he's been doing in the lyrics. Like you can't unknow it. And you can't separate the artist from the art in that case. Same thing with the one that shall not be named from season one. I had this moment like before the drama kicked up of, 
well, how responsible can a content creator be for the actions of their audience? Like some of these audience people, some of these followers are just like rabid and just want to cause harm. And then the content creator gets blamed for it. But then the more you watch and the more you learn, you you see and hear the dog whistles and like, oh, she's totally responsible. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a thing. Absolutely. I totally wrote about this in my dissertation, <laughs> which was not to be. But uh, and yeah, just as somebody who's been uh, educated in music for years and years, it's a perennial discussion. And I am firmly on the side of absolutely not. You cannot separate the art from the artist. And there's a whole discussion about something called absolute music, which was this like modernist type of music that was like, oh, it's completely objective and divorced from all the context. And no, you dumbs. Like it's totally created by you, like white men in <laughs> in mm. modernism, like stop. Uh, and it and it's it's very reflective of that like once you understand the framework of who the people are that made the art that's what makes art like that's what makes art art is the whole context of the people that's what makes it interesting and yeah basically I just think the people that try to argue that you can separate it and it should be separated are mostly the same kind of people that are like my, my what I'm saying is objective because I'm capable of being totally objective and it's like no you're a white man mm -hmm. what's interesting too is Lindsay Ellis talked about the death of the author in a video essay so I thought it was funny I think she even brings up Raina Lewis Roland Bart writes this essay called the death of the author and he's like a very important literary critic kind of uh guy academic and he argues that an author's biography or intentions should not matter whatsoever when you're critiquing a text and so that approach is problematized by a lot of different scholars and Raina Lewis is one of them and she talks about female orientalist artists and how you can't under you can it's important to understand the femaleness of the artist to understand particular aspects of what they were doing in their art. If you leave that out, you just miss the difference between that and other other Orientalist artists who were not women. So she's basically arguing that by erasing authorship, Bart is denying that you can have a female voice as an author that it has to just be like an objective voice. And mm. then she also kind of says further that that means that you can't say there are like women readers, which is not right. So, and it also was kind of like a threat to women's literature at the time, because that was just a genre getting off the ground. And so it's like, what's the point of women's literature if you don't, if you just have objective stuff that that isn't influenced by the subjective position of the author? So it's uh, so Lewis argues for this like gendered agency of an author. And then you can expand that and say, really, any kind of intersectional identity should play into where that agency falls. So in other words, even 
if an author isn't an individual, it's still like a positional thing. Like you're still going to write from the identity position that you exist from and nothing is objective. You're always going to have a point of view, which is going to be in, it's going to be affected by all of your identity positions. Right. Sense. Yeah, totally. So that's the side. So this is very, very hard line for me. I come down on this side of <laughs> you have you have some kind of authorial voice that is based on your position in the world and your posi- your identity position. And so if you accept that, it's kind of something people would maybe like to bypass because it means to accept that means that you have to engage, you have to accept the responsibility of engaging with art in a way that is sometimes uncomfortable and can sometimes put you in a sticky position because you're basically making yourself vulnerable by engaging with the art that you love in this way. And so it, 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 it's like a destabilizing vantage point from which to view art that you really could care about or even be like triggered by or find safety that you need in. So I think that we're all responsible for the narratives that we perpetuate as authors and as interpreters, but also we're people who need space to just love the things we love, regardless of whether that's problematic. So I think that the trick to all of that is recognizing that sometimes you have to sit in uncomfortable tension and uncomfortable places and allow yourself to just sit in discomfort (laughs) and allow multiple things to be true at once it can be true that harry potter is problematic and jk rowling is problematic also it can be true that i have some lovely memories about that and it affects who i am in some positive ways as well and all those things it is very vulnerable to just even try to allow all those things to exist at once rather than just be like, oh, well, I'm going to ignore it. But it's important and I think ultimately healing. I agree 100%. But I think, I'm going to look it up. I think Lindsay Ellis made a video where she brings up those scholars. I remember watching it after I took the class and being like, oh. <laughs> and I was going to mention in the other episode, I was like listing YouTube, kinds of YouTube channels and videos I watch and I forgot to mention too that are really important Cat Black who has been like a huge um under underrated creator I think on this on YouTube for a long long time like one of the people that was that was a foundational character on YouTube but gets not nearly enough credit for that and then also I love ARGs that's my other kind of favorite YouTube content but let's see if I can find this her last one was a year ago i really miss her content so good i think she got canceled or mini canceled or something too right i don't remember everybody gets canceled everybody gets canceled yeah four years ago death of the author by Lindsay ellis i just remember it vaguely being a really good video on the topic well i mean that helps me feel validated in believing that no you can't separate the artist from art like when they're terrible, they created the art and there's a piece of them in that art. And yeah, there is no objectivity with it, obviously. I don't even understand how that's an argument now. <laughs> oh, well, it's totally like um, 
pretenses of objectivity is totally like the whole white, it's a white supremacist thing. It's a whole, how do you even say that? That's what it is. <laughs> the whole yeah. idea that things can be scientific and objective and a human being can have an objective stance that doesn't have bias mm -hmm. is a myth of white supremacy. So that's what it is. And the fact I also think the argument of, well, that's just how the times were back then. Like this ridiculous, gross, awful, racist, insert whatever behavior. That, that was just a sign of the times. You have to allow for the fact that it was just a different time. And like, I don't know, I feel like your moral compass should be pretty true north, no matter what era we're in. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't, if your morality is based on the times at the time, and then as time goes on, your past gets excused strictly because of the time. That's also super problematic to me. <laughs> that was a joke. Oh no, can't remember the movie. Oh, it's um, it's that one about the end of the world, and it has Jennifer Lawrence in it. <laughs> don't look up that movie. Don't look up. It's don't look up. <laughs> um. It's don't look up. There was that one character who was like the astronaut they were going to send into space. And he just keeps saying these like horrible things. And then everyone's like, oh, he's from another time. He's just from a different time. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of a funny joke. But it's, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I think that's an interesting question. Like, should morality be, I don't think morality is totally objective, but I also think one of the big, things that's saying oh that was from a different time is masking is that i i do think you have some kind of moral or ethical sense of not taking advantage of power dynamics and i think a lot of the stuff that gets exposed because it was from a different time is about power dynamics that formerly were not articulated and now are more articulated so people put language to why there was something wrong with the way that you were taking advantage of somebody but you should have always had a sense that you were taking advantage of somebody whether or not there was language for it and there's other kinds of mistakes that you can make and you know intent and impact can be different and you cannot recognize that but again there's a difference between like making a mistake and feeling a need to control an entire narrative as opposed to just learning and yeah I think that when you're conscious of it you should have some kind of moral sense of it's wrong to take advantage of people like it's like I like thinking back to the Pauline Ballinger audience members who were adults you should have had some sense something was wrong or thinking back to slavery in this country you should have had some sense that something was wrong i mean there's this whole early 2000s blackface youtuber era oh, yeah <laughs> where all these things are resurfacing you know little by little over time about different creators and so many of the response so many of the responses to them well i mean it was a different time back then back then as in like 10 15 years ago 20 years ago it's not like it was centuries ago. <laughs> like it's times we can remember, but the the main defense is like, well, it was a different time. It was okay back then. But the truth is that was never okay. 
blackface has never been okay but there's this whole like modern resurgence of blackface that so many youtubers participated in it's just a matter of time as they're all like resurfaced and, and brought back to light but that's yeah. the main defense it was a different time back in 2003 oh okay i have an interesting i have like a it's not a counterpoint i completely agree with you but i what do i want to say digital blackface is something that comes to mind because that's something that and i think that part of the problem part of why i think that was so prevalent at that time was just because of ignorance about history lack of education and lack of lack of teaching about minstrelsy but also still you should have some sense of like it's wrong to cosplay somebody of a different race or gender and i mean it's just kind of wrong to to punch down should have had some sense but do you know you know what digital blackface is right i have literally never heard of that oh so it's the idea that in memes we will often find some there will be like like for example there will be a meme of a black woman making a face that is like relatable and a great reaction kind of a face and then a bunch of white people will use that meme and that reaction face and effectively be like it's it's kind of like a, it's a form of it's not kind of it's a form of blackface but it's it takes place because you're sort of using that meme to represent you and it's kind of a more recent conversation i think among i don't know it's kind of a more recent conversation but it's something that i see happen a lot and i also think it's interesting on tiktok where we have like the audio the sounds because it also will happen with the voices like i and this is just something this is something that you you know blackface is wrong but it's a very very prevalent thing right now in 2023 i think still for people to just use blackfaces and voices and so like i try to avoid taking a sound even if it's some kind of viral sound where somebody says like i don't even know like there's there's different ones and if it's obviously a black voice i try not to lip sync that one and make a viral video out of it you know especially now if i'm going to like profit or something from using a black person's voice like literally like taking it on and it's such a it's such a it's treated as like a very throwaway thing that happens and so i think it's kind of a more complex it's interesting to think about because i think if you're just not aware of it you're not aware of it doesn't mean it's not harmful necessarily but that's like i think in 10 20 years more people will be aware of that conversation and be like oh well it was just a different time now mm -hmm. you know what i mean like where you could use but i don't know once you become aware of it you become aware of it and i and i think if you're if you're at the top of some huge platform and i'm literally making a thousand dollars a post and i make a post using a black person's voice over my own face or whatever that's that should give me some kind of twinge of moral whatever i feel <laughs> but yeah. it's but there's some sort of gray area where it's easy to not get that twinge because that's just what you see everybody else doing and you're not really thinking critically mm-hmm know or it just hasn't been brought to your attention or you haven't 
or maybe I still think that there's an under education about things like minstrelsy and, and our real history. You know, people are trying to correct for that, but there's all these weird wars of uh, like iconoclasts. And then I don't know, just like people, I, I don't know. I think there's a highly varied amount of access to that information, depending if you're in a city or different states or where you are in the world right now. Uh so this theme of these women YouTubers being absolutely terrible <laughs> and wheeling their power in ways that they probably shouldn't and hurting people with it. Is this kind of like digital Karening? That's interesting. Is digital Karening a thing? I mean, I've never heard anyone use that term, but I think it's probably pretty fitting. And they're just thinking about like the concept of Karens too. I think that there's definitely I'm trying to think about the like all the examples that I mean, not all of them fit into. I guess it is though, because it's usually like it's usually it's a white woman usually who's going to try to kind of throw a tantrum to get her way, and it's usually somebody that's like aging out of that youthful proximity to power under white supremacy so yeah i i kind of do feel like all the people we've been talking about fit into that like some people have more of like a outward expression of it but i mean even because i'm thinking about colleen ballinger and it's not like she's like ranting and raving and throwing a tantrum until somebody quits something but but she does play the victim card pretty hard well, exactly. even though she was the aggressor and the like i'm I'm a beautiful white woman. I am so pretty and and little. Even <laughs> though she is at that age where she's aging out of the beauty the beauty standard in a way where she can't really rely on that anymore. Like, oh, I'm just yeah. a cutesy little white girl. She can't really do that anymore. Yeah. Which is the whole Karen thing. Like they were once upon a time able to get away with things based on how innocent they could be they were perceived to be how they could how well they could play that role and like appeal to people's emotions based on how they looked and how they moved through the world in that way and like the whole karen thing is well now not only you not only are you a grown-up the expectation is that you're you're able to kind of handle your business you should be able to handle the mess that you stepped in on your own because you're a big girl now. You're you're 30 something pushing 40 something and you're at the age where the expectation is that you're not going to be rescued because you batted your eyelashes kind of thing. Yeah. I get that vibe from Colleen for sure. Yeah, I think Illuminati too. And I think creep show art too. In a way. Although creep show art's a whole other level of like stalker wildness yeah <laughs> we gotta do that episode coming up thank you for listening find additional content at doxedthepodcast.com